tonight, before we go into the Word, we're going to pray over Damien and Cenelia's little baby boy this morning. And if he'd like to come with family up to the platform, and John and David and our elders, if they could come also. We're going to just have a baby dedication this morning. Amen. How many of you like babies? Amen. Aren't babies... The blessing of the Lord. You know, the Bible says that our children, as they're coming, family's coming, grandma's coming, and so good to see the family here. Praise God. We're going to uh, dedicate, pray over little Roman Anthony this morning. And uh, let me see, where's the handheld mic? Okay, here's a handheld mic. Also, John, could you hold this for me? I got this, but uh, amen. You know, the Bible says in Psalms uh, that there's a couple of passages. Psalms 127, 128, it says that the children, our children are heritage from the Lord. They're heritage. Everyone say heritage. It really bothers me when I hear people talk about children as being baggage. Uh, That's not baggage. Children are a reward. They're the blessing of the Lord. And the Bible says that they are the fruit of the womb and a reward like arrows in the hand of a mighty man. So are the children of one's youth. And he says, happy is the man who has his quiver full they shall not be ashamed, but will speak with their enemies in the gate. In other words, they're going to go with you to battle, is what he's saying. Also in Psalms 128, the Bible gives us a very powerful promise. And I say this over you, Damien and Cenelia. It says, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. This is a promise. Who walks in his ways, the Lord's ways. It says, when you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy and it will go well with you. How many of you like that kind of blessing? The Bible says a man who fears the Lord. One thing I want to say about Damien and Senea, these are God-fearing people. They love the Lord. They've been faithful and they've just been such a blessing in the house. And so great to have the grandmothers here this morning. Amen. But it also goes on to say that your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your home and your children will be like olive plants around your table. Thus shall this man be blessed who fears the Lord. Now, the idea of olive plants means that there's substance, there's a root in their lives. There's there's something that is is there's seed, there's, there's something rooted, there's a stability that has been placed and planted and sowed in their life. How many of you know that we reap what we sow? If I don't like the fruit that I have, then I need to look at the seeds I'm sowing. And so if, if, if everything that we, we have is because of what we've been sowing, into our homes, through our mouth, through our words, through the atmosphere that we cultivate. And so we want to just bless Damien and Cenelia. We want to just pray for the baby this morning. But also there's one of the 
One of the grandmothers want to share something this morning. Okay, praise God. Where's that mic? Good. To, amen. Praise God. I just want to bless. Here, let, let me. I thought I thought it was on here. Maybe it's not. I'm sorry. Test, 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 test. Okay, sorry. I just want to bless Roman with the blessings of Abraham that he will be faithful throughout generations and he will have the heart of God, heart of compassion, that he will have the mind of Christ, that he will have the joy of the Holy Spirit as he has been blessed with joy. He's always smiling. Just his eyes brighten up, just looking. And may he be, as he grows, a man of the word and the love of God's word will grow in his heart throughout his life. And he will be blessed because what God has blessed, blessed indeed. And thank God for Damien and Sunil that you will be like Abraham as a father and Sarah, that you will teach them, both of them, as you have been teaching Julian, that Roman will be taught and he will be truly, that they will be the plants round about your table. And Sunil, be blessed and blessing to him and to each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I just wanted to say uh, uh, briefly that, um, you know, we initially when we we looked at being parents and starting a family and things like that, um, the Lord showed us a lot of things. He brought us through a lot of things. And through these two beautiful boys, these two exceptional sons that the Lord has given us, the 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 floodgates have just completely opened up on us in regards to blessing and uh, direction and how we are to raise these boys. And the seeds that have been sown uh, first in Julian's life when we dedicated him, and now Romans, we want to take those seeds and we want to plant them and let them reap a harvest in their due season. And I tell you, it... It's no no news to anyone who has children, the demands uh, of your time and schedule and, and the pressures that come in, not only as parents, but as husband and wives. And to try and cultivate an atmosphere in your home of peace and, and stability, and all the while you're trying to keep your sanity, yeah, it, it's a tough thing. Parent Being a parent is, is the toughest job I've ever had in my life. But... When I look at these two boys and I look at the joyfulness that is in their hearts and in their spirits, and when I'm tough on myself and I'm like, gosh, I have no time to spend with the Lord. I can't read the word. I can't do this. I can't do that. (coughs) But when I look at these boys, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) this is my ministry. Amen. Praise God. Want some water here? (laughs) There you go. 
But when I look at these boys, <clears throat> and I look at the incredible countenance that they have, <clears throat> I say, Lord, this is my ministry to you. This is what we're doing for you, Lord. This is the time that we're giving over to you. <clears throat> and when I think about that, I know the Lord is smiling on us. And I'm so thankful. And I look forward to watching these boys' lives develop and grow in front of us. And I can't wait to see what the Lord has in store for their lives. <clears throat> Thank you. All right. Well, let's, let's extend our hands, shall we? We're going to pray over them. Amen, Roman. Damien and Sunilia. Father, we thank you. We come before your throne this morning, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for our children, the blessing of the Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the honor and the privilege it is to have family. We know that the natural family, Lord, is a reflection of Christ and the church. And Father, as Damien and Sunilia come and they present their children, but especially a little Roman today, we thank you, first of all, Lord, for the gift that he is to this home. And Lord, we just declare blessing and favor and life. And Father, as he grows up in this home, that he would at an early age begin to recognize your Holy Spirit and recognize the wooing of your Spirit in his life. And he would recognize the Lord <laughs> as the Savior of his heart and his life, Lord, that he would recognize his heavenly father as his dad models the heavenly father before him and his mother. Lord, we just pray also for Damien and Sunilia that you would give them wisdom and understanding, Lord, as they raise their children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. We know the challenges that are in our lives and our community today. But Lord, give them, Lord, understanding. Give them grace as they raise their kids, Lord, to understand and to know your ways. Lord, let it be the most natural thing for them just to come to the Lord. Let this home, Lord, be a light in their neighborhood, a community, a, a model for what a home should look like. When people look at this house, they see Jesus. They see the love of God. They see the power of the gospel working in this marriage and through their sons. And Father, we just declare blessing. Keep them, Lord, from evil. Keep them, Lord, from anything that the enemy would plan. Lord, we know your plans are greater. And so, Lord, we just declare right now your promises and your plans and your purpose and your will upon their lives. And we give you praise. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Give them a hand. Amen. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Amen. God bless you. Bless you. Praise God. All right. Amen. Damien, that's a sign you're getting the preacher's throat. Praise God. Start losing your voice. Amen. Take your Bibles for a few minutes, would you? Jump with me into Ephesians chapter 3. Just a few minutes. I've been on a series uh, for several weeks now on the subject of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I, I'm going to be talking... Just a few minutes, we're going to, by the way, we're going to be 
uh, leaving here and going into our fellowship hall after this and having a time of uh, our uh, fellowship and uh, potluck together. We really, really pray that you'll stay for that. So it's just an awesome time to connect with each other. Everyone's welcome. Uh, but also our financial meeting after that, our yearly financial meeting, and we pray that you would stay for that and just kind of uh, let us update you with those things that are going on. Thanks, Harold. Let's, let's open up with a word of prayer, shall we? Father, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit and what you're saying to the church and what you're saying in and through us. And Lord, what you're doing around the world, Lord, we thank you that the grace of God is greater than sin, greater than our problems, greater than any issues we're facing. Lord, we just pray that you would baptize us afresh today with understanding and revelation in the Word of God, and we give you praise, and everyone said, Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about the power of God's love in our life. Amen. How many of you are in love this morning? Amen. How many of you know that we need love, we need to understand what love is? And uh, in Ephesians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul, amen, gives us something that is so important for us to recognize, and this is what love does. It shows us about the importance of love. Now, I know that love is one of those terms that has been used today and abused. There's more songs written about love. There's more talked about love. But today, people, especially in our own nation, we've come to distrust the, the very word. We, we were confused about it. I, I cannot tell you how many times in counseling I will ask people that are getting married, for instance, to just give me your definition of love. Most often, people will define love as a feeling, or they will define love as something that that they feel or they experience based on what someone else does for them. And so, so much of the time, love is based upon those kind of experiences. And that's, that's just not what love is, just to, just to let you know. And when we begin to study God's love, we're going to find that God's love is not human love. God doesn't love like we love. In fact, God's love is literally out of this world. It's the kind of love, when we get into it, it we're going to find that God's love is actually something you can't figure out. It's actually unreasonable. It's, it's unthinkable. In fact, God's love at times is going to stretch us in such a way that we might even stumble at it. In fact, you'll find it in the early church and when Jesus came to earth, Jesus began to love sinners. And we all know John 3.16, don't we? Let's all say it together. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world. How many of you know the world includes the bad people as well as the good people. So God's love includes all people. It includes the thugs. It includes the thief. It includes liars. It includes adulterers and cheaters. It includes uh, 
uh, man, I, God forbid I should say this, but uh, jihad or uh, the Islam or ISIS, uh, for God so loved Hitler, uh, for God so loved uh, the dog, uh, you know, next door, for God so loved, the, God loves everybody. In fact, everybody, every human being that was ever born is also considered God's gift. God now God doesn't condone what people do, but when God's in ultimate intention, he loves the world. For God so loves the world. And for us in the church, we we've kind of had a tough time with love. Uh, one of the things that I, I didn't even know that I used to have this problem until later the Lord began to reveal to me that love is not something you learn necessarily. It's not just something you can study or actually even be taught love. Love comes by virtue of revelation. God has to reveal to you what His love is. You can be taught the love. I can give you a syllabus and we can talk about points and principles We can talk all about love, but love will not make an impact in your life until the Lord or the Holy Spirit Himself reveals His love to you. All of us, all of us need a revelation of God's love. Love does not come, like I said, just by something that is taught, but it more or less is caught. But notice here the Apostle Paul, and he's speaking to this Gentile group of believers. And in verse 14, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, for this reason, chapter 3, verse 14, for this reason, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with all might, through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Notice what he's saying here. The riches of His glory, strengthened with the might of His of His Spirit in the inner man, that you may dwell, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height. To know the love of Christ. Everyone say to know. To know the love of Christ. To really know what that is. Which passes knowledge. Notice what he says. He didn't say study gives you knowledge. Didn't say teachers give you knowledge. He says it's the love of God that passes knowledge. It's the true knowledge. It's it's he's talking about not just knowledge that comes from books, but he's talking about revelation. It's about the kind of knowledge that goes so deep inside of you that the knowledge that you gain becomes conviction. It becomes a conviction. It, it becomes such a belief. It's so rooted, so deep, that it begins to bring about paradigms in your life. It changes the way you think about life. It, it begins to remove walls. It begins to destroy the strongholds 
of fear that so many people... Today, you know, like I said, the message, the concept of love, preaching love, is almost kind of like a worn-out flat tire for some. It just kind of bounces off people because so many people have never seen what real love is. We really don't understand what love is, the love of God is. Because so much of our, our, our lenses and so much of the way we view God's love is through our own past experiences and where we've come from and, and how others have loved us. That becomes the grid. It becomes the lens that we define God's love. And I, we can go into that. But, but I, I, one thing that's so powerful, and I want to kind of put a plug in here about our Sozo ministry here at new life and what we're moving into sozo ministry is going to be so powerful it's not just a prayer ministry but it's it's a ministry that helps people in fact it it is so amazing how it just uh i want to say almost in a sovereign way just brings such deliverance and healing so quickly what what used to take us hours in counseling, sozo ministry can do just in a matter of hours and, and just bring healing and deliverance and renewing to the lives and minds of people. It's amazing. And so we're going to be introducing this as well into our church because we believe... How many of you know it's possible to be saved, but possible to still live in bondage? It's possible for you to be saved and born again on your way to heaven, even spirit-filled, but still have bondage in your life. Not really able to freely receive love or give love. I, I know many, many people that have a difficult time with just communication, have a difficult time just trusting people, have a difficult time working through problems with other people. We in our nation, we are a pill popping nation we're a, a nation that has learned how to run from our problems we divorce we change churches we change jobs we escape we we just kind of get involved in our computers our video games we just kind of get involved because we can't handle just life we can't deal with problems um my wife and I, uh, one thing we love to do is uh, we, we like to go on a cruise on our vacation. We like to take cruises because it's such an awesome time. You don't have to drive. But, uh, but so many times we've met people on cruises and uh, they're just trying to get away and have fun. And you know what's amazing? When you don't know Jesus and you don't know the freedom that the Spirit of God brings you, it's amazing. I, I've seen so many people try to have fun and they can't have fun because these problems like a cloud just hovers over their life. And you know, not until you know the Prince of Peace who gives you true peace can you really have life. And uh, you know, one thing we want to do is we want to introduce Jesus who really not only gives you peace, but how many of you know that God wants you to have fun in life? God wants you to experience abundant life, Amen. He, he wants your life, He wants your marriage, not just to last, but He wants you to enjoy the journey. Amen. He wants your love life to grow. And He wants your relationships to flourish and thrive. And that, that's what's so powerful about knowing Jesus. 
is that the more you come to know His love, the more free, freer you become. Amen? In fact, you know what's amazing? The more you become acquainted with the Holy Spirit and the love of God, you know, the less critical you become. You just become less critical. Things don't bother you like they used to bother you. And here's the reason. It's because you're looking through a different lens. And when your lens has been restored and when your lens has been healed, all of a sudden problems and people that used to bug you and bother you and things that are going around the world, it doesn't bother you as much. You know why? Because you know in whom you have believed and whom you have, are persuaded. and You know whom you, you are anchored in, in Jesus. I mean, you, you really understand that he which began a good work is faithful to complete it and bring it together. You, you really come with a confidence knowing, as Paul says, all things work together for good to them that love God. I mean, th- there, there was an amazing shift in your ability to just deal with issues in life because of God's love and what he does in your life. He heals you. He restores you. And what the Bible says that perfect love casts out what? Fear. Now, you know, you know, much of our anger issues, much of our problem issues are rooted in fear. When we are angry and when we're bothered by something, it's because we are afraid that somehow some unjust injustice is going to be done or someone's going to take advantage of us. But, you know, when you are rooted in Jesus... And your life is in Christ, who is the hope of our glory. How many of you know, when when Jesus said this, I I believe he meant it. He says that in this world you will have tribulation. That's a promise, by the way. Those are one of those promises you can collect. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Now the reason why he said that is because when Christ is in you and you are in Christ, what he's really trying to say, you cannot be shaken you can't be moved and so when we when we look at the love of god here the apostle paul is letting us know that love grounds you and he says verse 18 that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width the length the depth to know the love of christ that passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of god now everyone say now and i like that word now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. How many of you believe God wants us to take us higher? When he says to do exceedingly abundantly above all. You see, God's wanting to bring such a healing in our land, such a, a renewing of our life, that we begin to not see life and see through a lens of hurt or pain or abuse or being victimized. You know what's so amazing, and I think it's actually humorous, is the very person that God uses to give us the revelation of the love of God in the New Testament was a New Testament terrorist called the Apostle Paul. Can you imagine, I don't know about, about you, but with my small mind, I probably would not have used a terrorist like the Apostle Paul to give the church the revelation of what love is. 
Because this man, if you go back into your Bible, into Acts chapter 26, Paul was standing before King Agrippa. And he's giving his testimony about who he was before he became saved. And he said, before I got saved, King Agrippa, I had Christians thrown into prison. And I took my vote against them to have them put to death. That's what Paul did. He, he, he became part of the group, the thugs, that had believers stoned. Had them crucified. And Paul goes on in the book of Corinthians to say that during those days, he actually thought he was doing God a service. He thought he was doing the right thing for God. I'm killing Christians for God. By the way, how many of you know, kind of sounds familiar today. That there's a lot of people for the sake of God, they're killing Christians today. Doesn't that kind of sound familiar? Now, now think about this. Why would God take a thug a criminal, a beast, an animal like Saul of Tarsus, a guy who's so full of rage and anger, brutal towards humanity, reveal his love to him and then sets him up, brings him, places him in a place where he becomes the voice to the church about God's love and grace. I don't know about you, but I'd have a hard time with that kind of thinking. Why would God use people like that? I mean, I probably would have chosen John the Beloved. Somebody who was a little more you know, sweeter, nicer, someone who was more compassionate. But God takes the Apostle Paul and gives him the revelation. And by the way, do you know what 1 Corinthians is? 1 Corinthians is not just a bunch of principles and and, and, and uh, uh, under uh, insights on what love looks like. But what 1 Corinthians 13 is, is the revelation of the atmosphere that exists in the Godhead. It is the, it is the atmosphere of heaven. If you want to know what heaven is like, read 1 Corinthians 13. Because it's, it's all about honor. It's all about preferring one another. It's all about learning to, to, to not hold people's sins or their problems against them. It's, it's about choosing to see the best in people rather than their worst. See, when, when people have been healed and restored by the love of God, their problems and their faults become such a small problem. But when you have been washed and cleansed by the blood of God, by His blood, there, there's something of a renewing that takes place. Amen? And He does something exceedingly. I want you to jump over with me to 1 John chapter 4. Jump with me into 1 John chapter 4. Here is what love looks like as well. John, the beloved, here speaking, the apostle. He says, beloved, verse 7. Let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born. Everyone who loves is born of God. What, what is that saying? In other words, there is no beginning of anything. I tell people in premarriage counseling, if God 
is not in your life, you as a couple will never fully be able to love each other because God is love. And if God is not in your life, then the best you can give is what you got and it's going to peter out really quick. It won't last. In other words, what John is saying is that unless God becomes your source, you're not going to have enough in the bank, you're not going to have enough in your tank to be able to go the distance. Because God's not interested in you just kind of finishing your life and finishing growth. God's interested in your life, in your love, growing, thriving, growing, and exceedingly becoming exceedingly abundantly above all. Notice what else he goes here to say. He says, he who does not love does not know God. Now, again, we're not talking about feelings or just conceptual or doctrine or theology. He's talking about a person who doesn't understand the love of God. They don't know God. And if you don't know God, guess what? You don't know joy. You don't know God. You don't know rest. You don't know God. Guess what? You're never going to really have trust. One of the things that I think is just kind of crazy today is when people are engaged and they decide to sign a prenup. Guess what a prenup is, folks? A prenup is basically saying, I need a back door because I don't think we're going to make it. And also a prenup says that my stuff is more important than me putting everything into this relationship to make it work because my stuff, my stuff is more important than you. And guess what that says? I don't really love you. But yet people still go ahead and get married. I don't know about you, but man, you bring a prenup into the relationship, you even introduce the, su- the subject. You're really basically saying, you're holding back. You're not putting everything in. How many of you know that God's love is about putting everything in? Is it, yeah, but Pastor Ray, don't you think it's kind of wise to try the shoe on before you buy it? I mean, uh, come on. I mean, don't, 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 don't you think we ought to kind of, you know, check things out? Well, no, that's not the way it works. In fact, we're finding out that people that try the shoe on like that when it comes to relationship actually have a greater percentage of their relationships falling apart than those who wait, those who prepare and build their relationship on a healthy foundation. And here we find here that John begins to tell us that love has a direction. Notice what he says. He who does not he, do, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifest towards us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Notice, our life comes through our love because faith works by love. Notice verse 10, very powerful verse, verse 10. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us. Notice the direction. It's not about what you do for Him or how much you love Him. It's how much He loves us. See, the love of God starts by the revelation of what He has done for you. You know, so many times when I've led people to the Lord, we talk to people about coming to Christ. You know, the the natural response, and we all do it. We've all done this. Okay, I want to become a Christian. Okay. 
all right, I, I, I got to start going to church. Got to start reading my Bible. I got to start uh, throwing my nickel in the plate every Sunday. Uh, got to start praying. Okay, I got to put my cigarettes out. Can't read my porn. Uh, stop playing more video games. Okay, I'm going to start going to discipleship. God help you. All of a sudden, you start piling on all the, the law what I have to do, what I need to do, what I shouldn't do, what I have to do. I can't do that. I, ha- I can do this. I got to do this. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. And how many of you know that, how many of you have ever made a promise that January 1st or by January 3rd you found yourself to be a big liar, that it didn't work out? You, you find yourself and, you, and then you forgive yourself. Well, I, you know, I, just, I guess I really didn't mean it. And here's the problem is because you are coming to God and you're trying to tell God, God, I choose to love you rather than coming to God and realizing what He has done for you. See, the strength of your Christian walk flows from heaven to earth, not from earth to heaven. It must come from heaven to earth. Remember, David said that the Lord did not delight in the blood of bulls and goats and sacrifice. God's not interested in how much you do for him because he's already done it all. What the most amazing thing about the love of God is, is you can't do anything to earn it. You can't do anything to gain it. You have no merit. In fact, it's so irrational It is unreasonable. In fact, it goes even to the point where it's scandalous and it sometimes even seems foolish. Even to the point at times where people stumble over the love of God. Do you remember one day when Jesus had just come out of the temple preaching and the Pharisees came who had caught a woman in the very act of adultery? And these men were driven on living by the letter. These men were driven on trying to perform and follow letters. And and they had a warped concept of a relationship with God. They themselves couldn't even keep the law. Jesus continually let them know that. But here when Jesus comes, and the, the Pharisees come, they throw this woman. It's amazing the man wasn't brought, but they bring the woman caught in this act of adultery and seeking to entrap and to trick jesus the interesting response to the allegations was yes she's been caught yes she has broken the law of moses that's exactly right he acknowledges that but then the bible says he bows to the ground and he writes in the sand with his finger as though he doesn't even hear them. Now that is very significant because I think God is trying to send a message to us. Is when the devil comes as the accuser of the brethren to accuse you, God doesn't listen. He's not listening to all of the facts, all of the laws that have been broken. In fact, What surprised everybody is when Jesus stands and he looks at the entire crowd and he makes the simple statement, he who is without sin. And he was the only one there that was without sin. 
He who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. You see, when you're under, when you're under the law, do you know what we do? I, I've done this. I'm guilty of what I'm going to tell you. I want to punish people. Uh, th there's something about when somebody breaks the law, let's punish them. I want to punish them. Uh, if you do something wrong, we need to punish you. Well, Pastor Ray, whoa, wow, are you kind of just kind of preaching a message here that we just kind of let, let go of it? No, no, hang in here. How many of you know that just punishment alone does not transform lives? But see, the law says someone has to be punished. And you know why the law says that? Because God is holy. First of all, God is holy. And secondly, because it teaches us, the law teaches us that the wages of sin is death. The reason why under the law they had to stone people or was taught that they should be stoned is because God had to tell Israel. Israel didn't understand that when you do things that are contrary to my character and my righteousness and my holiness, it will lead to death. In other words, you cannot live apart from me. And so God gives them the law. And of course, Israel takes the law, and because of our sin nature, and because of our sinful conscience, guess what? We fall right into a trap when religion comes and when the law is preached. And guess what we do? We try to straighten our life up by filling in the blanks and fulfilling certain rules. And we get pretty proud of ourselves. Praise God. I don't drink and I don't smoke and I don't cuss. And praise God, I pay my tithe and I pray two hours every day. Whoa, Ray Gallagher. Whoa. I mean, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I, I don't steal. I'm not like some thug out there. I get pretty proud of what I do and what I don't do. And I think that God's pleased with that. That's called the elder brother syndrome in the story of the prodigal. In the story of the prodigal, remember when the father told the servants when the prodigal who had slave clothes and the smell of pig all over him came back to the father's house. And he came back, he was humbled, he was hungry, he was starving. And he says, Father, I am not worthy to be called a son. Make me a servant. Here, that boy was still under the law. He was still seeking to try to gain his father's good graces by coming with a sense of false humility. Now, he meant it. Lord or Dad, I, I'm not worthy to be called a son, but I tell you, I'm starving to death. I've been lowly. I got pigs smell all over me. I'm living like a slave. So just, Dad, make me a servant, a slave. Sounds pretty righteous, doesn't it? Sounds pretty impressive. But guess what? That does not please God. God's not impressed by your humility because you finally, the light finally turned on and you realized, wow, you made some bad choices. God's not impressed by that. 
because that brings us right back under the law where we're trying to still dress to impress God. And, and you know what's so amazing in the story? It's amazing. I love it. It's in Luke 15. It says that, first of all, before the son even gets to the father, when he's coming back home, the Bible says that he comes to himself, he begins to reflect on the fact that his servants had more bread and had it better than he had it. He began to reflect on how, father, how his father treated his servants. He reflected on the goodness of the father towards his servants. And what happens is, as he reflects on it, the Bible says he comes to himself. And that's an important step. How many of you know it's important for us to realize we're in a bad place? It is important for us to realize, you know what, I, I think I've made some bad decisions. That's a good thing. It is good to acknowledge that. Because he, he begins to take a journey back home. But I love this. It says from the father, it says that when his father saw him afar off. How many of you know that God has his eyes on you today even though you're way away? You may be away, away from the Lord. You might be so far and you may feel like you got the smell of pig and sin all over you. But you know what? It says this, that when his father saw him, he had compassion on him. He saw him with all the pig juice, with all the slave clothes, he saw them in that demented condition. It did not say the father was angry. It did not say that his father was mad. It did not say that his father criticized him. It says his father saw him, ran to him, and began to kiss his pig, smelly, sloppy neck. And he began to say, son, glad you're here i mean just it'd be like this david look you're gonna have to forgive me <laughs> you gotta forgive me now on that one i'm sure dad had all the pig and the slime and the smell of pig and alcohol he wasted he, uh, a young man he started out as a selfish man ended up with a wasted life ended up in slavery lost his dignity his reputation lost it made every wrong decision irresponsible irresponsible foolish arrogant completely lost selfish when you think about all that that boy did and yet jesus uses these three parables the parable of the lost sheep the lost coin and the son jesus is speaking to these people the publicans and tax collectors you read it in luke 15 verse 1 it says that the pharisees were upset that jesus would eat with publicans and sinners they were irritated because his love was reaching to people that were lawbreakers I, I got to tell you something. You know, as a pastor, you're going to probably, some of you may leave the church on this one, but God help you. But uh, th there was a day, there was a day where I, I said, Lord, send the harvest, but don't send me bad sinners. Lord, send me nice sinners, good sinners, people that do well. I, I mean, I, I had that mindset. And God said, Ray, you don't even know what spirit you're of. 
You see, the part of the problem, the reason when we are critical and we're small-minded like that, you know what? It's because you have not yourself understood how God has forgiven. And I had to go through a season in my life where God had to break me down to show me my own filthy rags, to show me how I didn't deserve His grace. And now I'm saying, Lord, send everyone. Lord, bring, bring the worst that Dallas, bring every, bring, send to new life all the people that other churches don't want, other people. I, I, I'm praying for that. I'm saying, Lord, because everyone is important, whether you smell like a pig or not. He still sees beauty. Our Heavenly Father still sees you as a gift. And He still recognizes the, the beauty. And here's the, the amazing thing. No sooner that the boy is telling his father, Dad, you know what? I made some bad decisions. Not worthy to be called your son. Right in the middle of his discussion, the father interrupts his son, turns to his servant and says, Go bring the best robe. You read it. Didn't say bring a robe. Bring the best robe. Bring a ring, a signet ring. Amen. The second thing, four things. It speaks about four things that God's love restored. The first thing was the robe. It speaks of God covering us with his righteousness. God takes our slave garments. He transforms us from that spirit of orphan that spirit of sinfulness and the the shame that we've come from and what we wallowed in and what we sow in ourselves god takes that shame off of us and he clothes us with the best robe and that robe means multicolored. that means god comes to give you beauty for rashes he covers you with beauty and he gives you the different uh, aspects of grace he just covers you with beauty and it literally means to color to c cover you with color to be covered with multi-colors do you know our god is a god of variety and he's going to bring so much color out in your life the second thing he restored the ring said bring the ring the ring symbolizes authority and it also symbolizes royalty. He says, I'm here to restore royalty and authority that you sold out. Today, what really saddens me today, and I, by the way, I understand there's times where ministers fall and they need to be removed because they need to be healed and they need to be, by the way, but it's sad today that there's some people that think that when people sin, we need to punish them. That's not the gospel. Well, yeah, but pastor, look at all the harm and the hurt they've caused the church. Yes, they did. They did. Sin hurts people. I am in no way making light of that. In fact, you know the Bible says that if an elder sin, it says rebuke him before all. It doesn't say remove him. It says reprove him. It really does. Now, I'm not saying that, well, yeah, but pastor, should you just let him stand up? No. I do believe when unrepented leaders are sinning and they're caught, I do believe they do need to be removed, not for punishment, but for healing. 
It's about, rest- how many of you know, how many of you read Galatians 6.1? If a brother or sister be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, demote him, disqualify him, remove him, bring him before the board of elders, crucify him, and boot him out of the church. Is that what the Bible says? No, it says, he who is spiritual restore them in the spirit of meekness considering yourself see god's all about restoration well pastor ray wow it just seems like you've just given an open blank check for everybody to go out and sin now no that's not at all what we're doing in fact it's god's grace that keeps us from sin it is because of his goodness that leads us to repentance It is because of his goodness. It is because of the value he places on people that turns people away from their sin. We've had this warped, weird ideology. They they need to feel some punishment. They need to feel some justice, man. No, that's religion. Religion says, let's stone them publicly. Let's make it an example out of them so others will fear. And so you, guess what happens to the church? This is what happens. All of a sudden, we start rebuking people openly and we make an example out of leaders. And guess what that does to the rest of the body? What it does is this. That if I dare share my secret problems or sins with anybody... That's what's going to happen to me. So you know what? It drives people into deeper secrecy with their sin rather than knowing that they can come boldly to the throne of grace in the time of need to obtain mercy. See, the throne of grace was not the place to where we're going to now expose you to shame you so you won't do it again. No. In fact, what shame usually does is it drives you deeper into anger and resentment and it causes you to even give up. But when people have been given... Now now listen, you go back to Luke 15. Listen Listen to how almost scandalous and ridiculous this is. The father tells the servant, get the best robe, bring the ring, oh, bring the sandals for his feet. By the way, slaves never wore shoes when he said bring sandals in other words i'm restoring him to his place of sonship only sons wore sandals so his dad was saying put sandals on that boy's feet he's my boy he's my boy and then he said bring the fatted calf we are going to make merry now think about it think about it this guy This guy took his father's inheritance, was arrogant, self-centered, selfish. He said, Dad, give me my lot. I'm leaving. You would think, wow, what an arrogant little kid that brat is. Dad releases him. By the way, part of loving is that God's going to release you to let you do whatever you want to do. Love doesn't control anybody. Love does not hold you down and make you pay. 
the father said, if you want to go, you want to go, go. He let him go. And as he released him to go, he's going. And of course, you know, the stages that led him down into the pig pen, into slavery, into a place where he, he was outcast, he was alone, he was hungry. And then he came to himself, or he comes back to his father's house. His father begins to kiss him, restore, speak to him. And then they kill the fatted calf, which speaks of redemption. The shedding of blood, and then it says, the, the father says this now. Now it's time to make merry. Now while the Bible says this, all of a sudden the elder brother, listen to this, the elder brother hears the music and the dancing. He comes in and says, what, what, what's going on? What's all the music I hear and all the dancing? And dad's in there dancing with that dumb brother of mine, that rebel, that renegade, that self-centered, arrogant kid. What is dad dancing with him for? We need to be punishing that guy. We need to make an example so others won't do it. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor Ray. I mean, I'll tell you, folks, that kind of spirit's been in the church. What is so amazing is why would the Father create that kind of an atmosphere? The, father, the Son, jump with me to Luke 15. I want to, I, I want to read it exactly what Jesus says. Turn with me to Luke 15. And I'm going to be wrapping it up here. Luke 15, notice, notice what, th th this is love. This, this is amazing love. The, the son here, in verse 27, verse 28, or, uh, uh, Luke 15, verse 28, it says, but he was angry, and he wouldn't even come into the party. I'm not going in. I'm not selling with this restoration. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. Now, now this, folks, I want you to really get this. Why is Jesus giving us this scenario? What is he trying to say to the church? Do you know why God loves us? He loves us just simply because he loves us. He loves us because we're his kids not because we've done anything bad or good it's because we belong to him and he says verse 21 so he answered and said father lo all these years i have been serving you notice this notice what the elder brother's attitude is i i have been serving you in other words notice the direction of this elder brother's relationship it's all about what i've been doing for you god See, that's the elder brother. Lord, 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 look what I've done for you. I kept my nose clean. And you're sitting here celebrating this little renegade, snot-nosed kid, babbling rebel. How many of you know this can really be a stumbling block for the church, this message? Well, we have a tough time with this. I want to tell you, folks, I had a tough time with this. I really did. Until the Lord began to show me why. And notice what he goes on here to say. The elder brother. 
I've never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. Sound familiar? <laughs> we'll pray for you. Pray. But as soon as this son of yours, in other words, he kind of separates himself. This is your son, not my brother. It's your son. Who has devoured your livelihood with harlots and killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you're always with me. And all that I have is yours. Notice, notice something here. That the elder brother never appreciated what he just said there. In other words, I'm not here. What he, the elder brother is basically saying, so dad, I'm not here for the relationship either. I'm here for what I've done for you. It's all about my, what I do for you. I want you to be pleased with me for what I do for you. And that's, and, and that's, that's his response. But in verse 32, here's the key verse. And the father says, son, you are always here with me and all that I have is yours. It was right. Everyone say, it was right. It was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost, but now he's found. Why did the father celebrate? Because the son received it's the first time he received his father's love it wasn't that he came home it was that he realized that all that he has and all that he is comes from an amazing father where the elder brother's attitude was dad look at me i've kept your commandments i haven't it's all about what he did for dad where the younger son realized even though he made all these mistakes he finally realized you know what it's not about what i've done or even the bad things i've done it's because of your love that drew me back now you may say well pastor ray wow i still don't get this i, I still don't understand how god's love can can make this right well let me tell you this I just, we're going to close with this. God's word says that God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wisdom of men. That man's faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. Even the foolishness of God is greater. But the foolishness of God is greater than the wisdom of man, the Bible says. You see, here's the thing. God wants to open your eyes and open your heart to how great His love is. And when we come to understand how He loves us and how great His love is, what that does is that begins to tear down walls, begins to remove the fear. It begins to help us enjoy in fact, you know what? There's nothing that will begin to solidify his nature and character in you until you have the revelation of his love. It's not what you do 
for him, but it's what he has done for you. Jesus gave us this parable to show us that his love in our minds, even though into our minds, it's ridiculous love. I almost entitled this message, Ridiculous Love. Because it's so beyond reason. And here's the reason. He wants us to begin to embrace things that we don't understand. Because it's not going to come by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. I want you to close your eyes. I know some of you, somebody here might be saying, oh, Pastor Ray, you just kind of opened a Pandora's box. Wow, we can just go out and live in sin now. and There's no consequences. No, no, that's not what we're saying. Sin brings consequences. What you sow, you will reap. Absolutely. But here's the purpose for God's love. God's love is always to not only help you recognize how great your Heavenly Father is, but it's to restore you. It's to heal you. Today, there are people... You know, I, let me tell you, folks, I grew up in the church, and I didn't realize how broken I was. As a pastor, I've been a broken pastor. Let me say it again. I've been a broken pastor. And I didn't realize how broken I was and how narrow-minded and critical I was until God's been showing me how great his love is. Let me tell you something. It's not that we have loved him, but it's he has first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. Let me tell you what the house of God's going to become. It's going to become a no-shame zone. God wants this house to be a place where the prodigals can come back home and experience a best robe, experience the fatted calf, experience the ring on their finger, experience the dancing and the merry and the rejoicing. Isn't that amazing what we have as a father? We have an amazing God. Maybe this morning you may say, you know, Pastor Ray, I need the Lord to just renew my mind and renew my heart to experience His great love. And I have limited God's love in my life, and I, I've never known His love and His mercy like that. And there's been, there's been some hang-ups. There's been some fear. I, I've even been critical. I, I've, I've had some things that I've, I've, I've just kept in my life, and, and I need to be healed with God's love. If that's you this morning, I want you to raise your hand. That's you this morning. I, I need to be healed and restored. I know God wants to touch my life. Anyone? I, I need God to just bring the revelation of his love and faithfulness to me. Anyone? Okay, let's all stand to our feet, shall we? I don't see any hands. I know there's some of you out there that I know God wants to touch and he wants to blow upon you. In fact, I want you to take each other by the hand. Would you do that? We are a church family this morning. We're a church family, and the Lord spoke, impressed on me this morning in prayer, while I was in prayer, that there's still people that wrestle with an inferiority complex, wrestling with inferiority, and you're wrestling also with the fact that there's things in the past that you will not forgive yourself on. 
somebody this morning, you, you've been holding, you're angry at God and you're angry at yourself and you won't even forgive yourself. And God wants you to forgive yourself. He wants you to receive His grace. It's time to let go. Time to release the hate. It's time to release the anger. It's time to release that elder brother's spirit. The elder brother's spirit was the spirit of comparison. It was the spirit of rejection. It was the spirit of, of punishment. He wanted his father to punish his younger brother. But his father said, it is right. It is right that we make merry because your brother was lost and he's found. It's not about what we do right or what we do wrong. It's what Jesus has provided on the cross. Here's the reason, folks, because it's not about your righteousness even. It's not about how good you've ever been. In fact, none of us are righteous. Not one. Maybe this morning you, you may say, you know, Pastor, there's some issues that I have in just learning to forgive people that I've had in my life. I can't let go. I just believe the Holy Spirit wants to just wash you today. You know, the Bible says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And it says that God's love washes us by the water of the word and sanctifies and cleanses us. God's love washes you, cleanses you, and restores you. I'm going to just speak restoration over this entire church. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your people. These are the sheep of your pasture. Lord, I thank you for your people. Awesome people. Lord, you love us. We're, we stand here not because of our righteousness, not because we've served God for years, not because we've, we've performed or we've served in different ministries or we've sacrificed. Lord, we have, we have nothing to offer but what you've given to us by grace. But Lord, it's because you celebrate in us because of your great love. And just because, just, just, just because you love us. No other reason. Just because. Just because you love us. We think there's always got to be some reason, but it's just because. Just because. Lord, we just pray that you would just change the grid and restore, Lord, a lens. Lord, helps us to capture the revelation of the height and the depth and the length and the breadth of the love of God that we might be grounded, strengthened with the might in the inner man. That we might know, Lord, what that exceedingly, abundantly, above all kind of love is. Father, we thank you for your love. 
Let love flow in our marriages. Let love and grace. Let, let us learn to empower one another, Lord. Lord, so much of the time when our love is not on and we tend to be critical and cynical and we tend to find the faults of many around us so easily. But Lord, when our love is on and your love is on us and in us and flowing through us, Lord, then we tend to recognize, Lord, it's by your grace and we're able to love even our enemies, to bless them that curse us, to do good unto them that hate us and despitefully use us. Lord, we just pray that you would baptize us, bathe us in your love today. Bathe us in the revelation, Lord, that you are awesome and that, God, you see us and you favor us and you smile upon us. In our sins and our iniquities, you will remember no more. You have remembered them no more. You have restored to us, Lord, righteousness. You've covered our nakedness. You've restored authority. You've put sandals of belonging as sons and daughters into the family. And Lord, you make merry and dance. You rejoice over us with singing, even today. I want to just say this in closing. God's going to change the atmosphere in this house. And before atmosphere must change, our thinking and our theology must change. God's going to bring a paradigm shift. There's going to be such a rejoicing and a joy in the Lord. Because there's going to be prodigals that are going to come back to Jesus. Prodigals are going to come home. They're going to find the Lord again. They're going to find the Lord again. John, could you just come? Yes, Lord. May the Holy Spirit just fill this house. Lord wants to restore families today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I was here, I, the Lord just reminded me this past weekend we had a restoration in our family. I was this past Sunday just sitting with the family and we saw restoration. It was a prodigal. Restoration wow. occurred. And the Lord even showed me today there's some, even right now, you're estranged from some family members. Wow. There's estranged family members or member. And the Lord says right now that he wants to do his part in restoration as you, either as a prodigal or as an elder brother, come before the Lord and ask for that restoration. The message Ray brought today was a message from the throne. This is a message... Like no other message that's going to restore families. And as we restore the family, so goes the nation. And so goes the world. And it's because of the love of the Father. So this day, 
the Lord is saying unto all of us, this is a new day, a day of new beginnings, a fresh start, and that your family and estranged family members will be restored unto the Lord this day, and you will be restored to that individual or individuals. Because you will humble yourself and you will humble yourself before the Lord. Because this message has gone forth today to your heart, to your ears. And as you receive, you will do. Thank you, Lord. Father, you're so good, Lord. Father, the family members that are estranged today, Father, I pray that you would just touch them by your spirit. Lord, even reveal yourself to them. If they're a prodigal, let them come home. If they're a a big brother who had that spirit that says, I never did that. I serve God. Lord, let that spirit of pride be broken in that individual. If there be any of us here today with that spirit of pride, it's a spiritual pride. Spiritual pride. Let it be broken in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Break us all, Lord. We all need to be broken, humbled, mm, so that your love will flow through us, Lord. Let that liquid love just flow, flow. Lord, even as Ray was preaching about the jihadist, Lord, as Paul was a terrorist, Lord, there's that jihadist out there today that you're going to pour your spirit out upon. And it's the liquid love, Lord, that you're going to flow through even this nation, Lord. There's so many people that have come to this nation from other nations, Lord, that don't know you, but you brought them here so that the gospel could be heard by them and that we would have a part in praying for them. So, Lord, I pray for... Every Muslim, there's a Muslim mosque right here in Richardson, not too far from here, Lord. Lord, let your Holy Spirit just be poured out in that place. Let the love of the Lord Jesus flow in that place. There's a church right across the street from that mosque, Lord. Let your Holy Spirit flow in that church. and Let the river of love flow across the street to that mosque. Lord, that lives would be touched. And that they would realize, Lord, that Jesus Christ is Lord. For you said every knee should bow and every tongue should confess of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. That Jesus Christ is Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Thank you, Lord. Start with us, Lord Jesus. Start with us. Start with us, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Lord. You know, before I dismiss you, I, I just want to say, you know, I've, I've been in this church for a number of years, and the Holy Spirit has moved at different times in different ways. The Holy Spirit is moving in a new way, in a new way. Expect the Holy Spirit to move in your life in an unexpected way whether it be in the middle of the night, whether it be at the workplace, whether it be in a gathering with friends or family, 
or in the church itself. Expect the Lord to work in a mighty way, in an in unusual way. And I believe the Lord is going to do such a work in this house that you're going to be changed in such a way that when people see you, they're going to be blessed. I don't know what kind of blessing. It could be a spiritual blessing, physical, emotional, whatever. But they're going to be blessed just because of your presence. I really believe that. Everyone in here, the presence of the Lord is upon you. And you will affect all of those around you. And if you believe that, it will happen. At the workplace, in the neighborhood, at the grocery store. You go in to that grocery store, and you're going to have the presence of the Lord upon you, and the Lord is going to use you in an unexpected way. Expect that. Expect that. It's going to happen. Hallelujah. The Lord is moving in a mighty way in this house. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to have a fellowship today in the fellowship hall. Everyone is welcome. We've got plenty of food. And it's a lot of it's in crock pots, so it's keeping warm. And You're going to enjoy yourself and enjoy fellowship with each other. And then afterwards, we're going to have a little a financial meeting here. We're going to go over the finances of the church in the past, so you're welcome to come to that. And it'll only be about a five or ten minute, very short meeting afterwards. But I just want to bless you today as you leave. Father, we just pray your blessing on each one here. Lord, those words that I spoke over each Lord, over each one, Lord, let it come to fruition that they will be a light wherever they go. A light in a dark world wherever they go, Lord. Bless them and anoint this whole congregation. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go forth with the joy of the Lord today. Hallelujah. We'll see you in the fellowship hall.